Listening, Helping, Learning is a book for people responsible to design and facilitate a process, especially a change process where you are learning and adapting to what you discover along the way. You know you are here, you know you need to be there, but the pathway isn't revealing itself easily, nor is the end result. That's what this book is about. The Society for Process Consulting identified the 12 core competencies for effectively guiding processes like these, and the book gives you case studies to show those competencies at work. Learn more at listeninghelpinglearning.com. you do if you suddenly realized you have only four years left in your career? What would you do especially if you needed to find and prepare a successor? This episode of the Third Turn Podcast is especially for board members, CEOs, and executive directors of organizations serious about succession planning. This episode can also be used as a training element in a board or executive staff meeting or as content for a retreat. Here is your co-host, Kristen Evenson. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Third Turn Podcast, where today we're going to take a little switch from the norm. And my colleague and co-host, Mark L. Vincent, will be sharing an audio-visual presentation, just a 20-minute walkthrough of things to think about and plan for as we look ahead to the final four or so years of our leadership journey, a time when it's Time to begin preparing the organization, the board, and ourselves for what we hope is a thriving future. You'll have a chance to just listen for about 20 minutes, push pause and reflect if you'd like, but think of this as a chance, again, just 20 minutes and a chance to think ahead and be more planful by thinking with the end in mind. So here is my colleague and friend, Mark Vincent. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark L. Vincent. I am the founder of Design Group International and the Society for Process Consulting. And in this brief workshop, I'm going to be talking about what happens when there are four years remaining for that executive director or that chief executive officer. We all say it is great to begin with the end in mind, but let's admit that the end gets ever more developed as we go and it gets clearer as we go. So we might also call this workshop, let's end with the end in mind. Are you ready? Let's get started. I am privileged to lead Maestro Level Leaders. It's actually an initiative within the Christian Leadership Alliance for those experienced executives. One of the joys that I have is that I work with maestro level leader cohorts. This is actually an initiative that we have branded right with Christian Leadership Alliance for people who want to spend some time journeying with others as they prepare for succession and legacy and continuing or even building the value of the organization into the future. One of the ways we render this is with this diagram over my shoulder here, where we talk about the current value moving toward the future value. Please notice that the hourglass shape is moving down and to the right. 
That's because there are so many pressures that would lead us to not have future value. We would be forcing it down because costs are higher, people retire, talent leaves. We have the downside of bringing in new talent and waiting for them to be able to produce. All of this pushes against future value. And what we are doing when we lead organizations is working to increase purchasing power. We're working to build talent, all of which moves the organization hopefully up and to the right. And now that we are moving towards some degree of operational excellence and we have talent that's performing and that experienced and accomplished leader, perhaps with their board, starts to cast into the future even more how are we going to develop the next round of strategy, the next set of value? How will we mix again the products or services that we offer to others? Quite often, those experienced directors begin to realize anew that they have to start planning their end with the end in mind. That in the somewhere in the next four to six years, or maybe a little more, maybe a little less, they're going to be handing off what they're building to their successor. And so this is why we talk about if you have this idea that there are four years remaining, what are you going to do? What should be done and when? Maybe you would like to stop this video for just a second and to do a little bit of your own thinking. How many years into the future do you anticipate to be at the helm of the organization? And who can you identify that is rising underneath that potentially might be a successor. Let me talk just a little bit about the three turns of the executive leader. Same diagram that is representing the organization as it develops. Everything that moves upward and spreads out is pointing to the marketplace that we serve. Those churches, those organizations, those donors, the people who receive the services, it's our upward and outward marketplace-facing presence. The downward and foundational parts of that diagram are pointing to how we govern. It points to the development and sophistication of the executive leaders of the organization and the board that governs and provides policy and direction and boundaries and accountability, and not just to the board, but to those who form the board and those audiences that we serve. You might stop the video even here and ask yourself, how well-formed are we at our board and governance level to be able to support a future succession plan. There are three turns of the executive leaders they develop. The first turn is this learning to lead self. We call this the artisanal level of leadership, where someone is being able to follow a pattern, guard their heart, build their integrity, demonstrate their ethical and virtue commitments to be able to have experiences at work where they find out how they work with others, whether people actually want to follow them or whether they can see work through to a completion. This is actually where most everyone will spend their entire career. But it is out of these artisans that the artists, what we call turn to or C-suite leaders come from. And these are folks who are asked to lead the organization and to lead people. Here, they can't just get more expert in their discipline. 
oh, maybe they've learned development. Maybe they've learned marketing. Maybe they've learned administration. Maybe they've learned something like research and development, or maybe they had a previous career where they excelled and became accomplished in what they did. But when you move into that C-suite role, it's no longer about a vertical growth and depth. It is now about a horizontal move where you are responsible for a whole system and almost all of it in which you are not the expert. What you become an expert in is the ability to pay attention to the systems that make this organization work well. You're able to become more mortar than those bricks that get the work done. You help it to flow. It is out of that successful turn two. There's a very special set of leaders. Doesn't mean that they are more talented than anyone else. It just means that the life and circumstances and context around them has come together in such a place that their last years of leadership will be all about being a maestro, orchestrating all of the parts together to build future value so that a successor can be slingshotted into the future and so can the organization without some kind of obstacle that's come up because the leader's ego got in place or because the successor's ego got in place. Where are you in your three turns? Where would you place yourself? What's in the future for you? So let's talk just for a little bit about what happens when someone is moving into that maestro level leader turn, that third turn. What are the elements that must be in place? Well, there's lots of little parts, but the big strokes are these. They need to have a sense of what their job description is. This is what we call the move level, because you see that maestro level leader, that third turn leader, it's now in a spot where they can conceive of themselves stepping down and stepping away over time. And in that moment, their work changes. It fundamentally changes. It's no longer so much about keeping the organization running, although it must run. It is about being able to step out so that others can step in. And the very nature of the work changes. It's not about accumulating and growing. It's about setting down and setting down at the right time to new people, not necessarily just one person, but to new people who are going to own what that executive leader has owned up until that time. With that in mind, with a new job description in place, they can begin to create a map of all of the elements that they carry, not just the work like tasks that they have, but what they must be thinking about, what they must have vision for. And they can begin to map out when and how they will set these things down. When this is figured out, that executive leader can decide whether it's appropriate to give this element of their work to the next person. I really like the literature that comes out of the communities of practice movement where they talk about the capacity to imagine something, the capacity to engage with something, and then the capacity to actually own it. There are a lot of things that an executive leader is thinking about, they're imagining them, that they don't yet engage. But if it's going to be important at the time of succession, they're going to have to engage with it. 
and they're going to have to get some degree of ownership in it before they can hand it off. And if they don't and they step away, these are the pieces that are likely to disappear, disintegrate, or become diminished. So that map helps you track against the readiness for the organization and for successors and even for the board to be able to run that organization without that leader being in the mix. And one more time, the job description becomes all about being able to step out so that others can adequately step in, slingshotting that organization into the future. Let me ask you this. Take just a moment before we go to these last two elements. Does your job description really touch on the future when you're not here? Does it address how you will set things down? Does it make you accountable for your movement toward exiting? And what are three to five key elements? Your list will be longer than that, but three to five key elements that you know someone else is going to have to own before you can step away. Let's look at the third piece up here now, that of creating a model. At this point, others are going to have to become involved. It might be your board or a subset of your board. You might seek some consultative help and organizational development so that you can really look at this objectively with some guidance and assistance. Maybe you've got a highly sophisticated executive team or a few key internal team members who can also give some shape and advising to this. I think you're beginning to get a sense of how difficult it is to time this well and to do it so that it builds rather than diminishes, so that you create a groundswell and some alignment rather than a jockeying for position or a political process. And saying all of that, you begin to see how important it is to get that job description right and how important it is to build the map before you start bringing it to others in any very strong or detailed process. And then the last of these is what we call the meister. At this point, someone else is stepping in as you're stepping away. And using this old German word for teacher, you are the one who is wise and from a distance is stepping in and helping and providing advice without controlling anymore or having an expectation of how things must be done. And here it is that you can begin to see how important it is that the board has picked up its role in the succession process. If we're going to do this well, if we're going to end with the end in mind, the board has to play its part. Let's take a look at that right now. I'll advance the slide one more time, and you can begin to see the list behind me of what it is that the executive leader needs to be doing, those four pieces we were just talking about. But how the board's process kicking into this is also a four-year process. In each of these, the board's responsibility is to govern well. Year one year two, year three, year four. Please notice that the board's year one really kind of starts where the CEO or executive director's year two is underway. And so year two for the executive director is year one for the board. Year three for the executive director is year two for the board, and so on. If you're on the board of an organization that, while facing into the future, can see that there are just four or so years remaining, as the board engages in this process, it holds the CEO accountable. Has the CEO developed a future job description, a third-turn job description that talks about how they will specifically and objectively, with real metrics on it, begin to hand off 
ownership of certain roles to other people in the organization. A successor might not even be identified yet, but if the organization is growing and it's succeeding, there's some operational excellence, what that current CEO or executive director is doing isn't going to all just get invested in one person anyway. And so you expect the CEO to be ahead of this, to bring some vision and some strategy and some objectives. This, this becomes a key question to ask the CEO. In the second year, the board begins to do its work to prepare for a new executive director or CEO. This is where the executive search design is put in place. How long does an executive search take? There's no guarantee. But we can say this, if you don't get started, you won't get the result that you want. So much of this is moving and scooting the various aspects of this together until what you want is emerging out of the mist of the future. And it emerges because you are being planful. You are ending with the end in mind. And what is that end? Well, in some way, we should render it this way. The current CEO steps away in health and with a life to keep living. The successor steps in with a deep understanding of the organization and its context with adequate resources. And there is a board that is saying to the outgoing and the incoming, you cannot do this by yourself. What you do must be transparent and you are accountable to the governance structure of the organization. Do you notice there's a year four here for you as a board? That fourth year is invested deeply in that new successor, where somewhere in this process, you are revisiting yet again mission, vision, and values so that it can give rise to even a new round of strategy. Because in these previous years, the strategy has been to have a very successful succession process. This may be a journey that your organization is in already. And if so, you could pause the video right here, spend a little time talking with your teammates. Where are we? Where is our CEO in these four years? Where are we as a board in these four years? What should we be building in that isn't here yet? What should we be doing next? As we wrap up this video, I want to spend a little bit of time emphasizing that fourth year of the board's work in succession planning. I've been doing this work for 30 plus years now can't believe it's been that long. And all the while, the stories of organizations that do not manage succession well are many. And the stories of careers that are ruined, of talented people, are far too many. And the deep disappointment of donors and volunteers just keeps growing. And all of that adds up to people that we could be serving that we're not. And one of the biggest reasons of them all is in this fourth year, where it becomes clear that that new executive director CEO, who is now in their first year, does not fully grasp what the mission is and is not operating by its values. At the very time where they are landing in place, the board is tired and everybody's ready to just move on to the new thing. So if you're learning anything out of this conversation is that there has to be significant overlap. For there to be real value that continues to grow if the organization is going to slingshot into the future, if we're going to end with the end in mind, this cannot be about any one person. It starts with the outgoing executive director or CEO realizing it's not about me. I'm not going to make it about me. It's going to be about the ability for someone else to step in and know what the context is and be resourced. 
and they slowly begin to give away and give up control, recognizing that if the board doesn't step in and do its part, future value is going to diminish, but that's not on the outgoing executive director. And then as the board, if it does, picks it up and is thorough and holds that outgoing CEO accountable and begins to be planful about its process and brings someone in and makes sure there's an effective handoff, and then they stay with it for that first year or more while that new executive director builds in and grows into that mission with accountability and with transparency, then there is a real promise for this organization to be an enduring organization and not one that languishes. But let's recognize this, that enduring organization at the end of these four years will be very different than the organization that went into it. Different leadership, different and new strategies, some redirection, some refurbished ways of expressing mission and values, and a more refined way of acting toward the mission they've been granted. May we all be such stewards as we do God's work in the world. Well, I hope and have to believe that you found that a very helpful and fruitful 20 minutes of reflection and insights and information as we think ahead to the last chapter of our leadership. If you did find it fruitful, here's a thought. What could be a natural next step? Maybe for you personally, maybe to take your board or a colleague through and maybe use this as a workshop, not just for yourself, but for others within the organization. Either way, we hope you will, at the very least, begin thinking about the next chapter of your leadership very much and very intentionally with the end in mind. As always, we are grateful for your joining us. We are thankful for your shared interest in topics like these and leadership issues like these. And we invite you to give us feedback and any ideas for other topics you'd be interested in at thirdturnpodcast.com. We also would welcome the opportunity if this workshop recording has piqued some interest in you and what it might look like to walk through these kinds of opportunities with a sense of camaraderie and in a cohort experience, by all means, please reach out to meisterlevelleaders.com and you'll find there a form that can initiate a conversation with Mark and me if you're interested in exploring with us what that might look like. We're always and ever grateful for Jennifer Miller, who's our producer, Josh Brinkman, who engineers our sound, and we do this work, looking ahead and investing in a future beyond our own for the benefit of our grandchildren's grandchildren. This is for our grandchildren's grandchildren. Good job.